This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. I'm Ken Absuck, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire. That's what we do here, and the first episode is in Dragonstone, is out, and I loved it. Talked about it yesterday, and we're going to talk about it more in detail today. We're going to post some questions throughout the day and post your reactions. That's right, guys. You're going to have a chance to join the conversation. A lot of you already have with great calls in here that I'm sitting on. I'm going to post here in a bit. Uh, if you're kind of new to Daily Thrones and kind of new to me, I, I love to celebrate these things. So if I say something that you don't agree with, you can call up and tell me. Let me know. Let's talk it out. But we have a spirit of celebration here, and I loved this episode. I think as far as episode ones go, this was absolutely one of the best ones that Game of Thrones has put out. I think it surpasses a lot of the episodes. Uh, season five uh, with Mance Raider dying at the end, that was one of my favorite first ones. And I almost don't count the first one in this conversation. We talked about that yesterday. The pilot is the pilot. But as far as returning, it's so hard. You have to set the pieces. You have to put the players on the field where they're going to be during the season. And that can sometimes be a little slow. It can sometimes feel like setup. But I don't think there's filler here. And I've seen that uh, come across online that this episode was nothing but filler. That's not true. Uh, as much as I love to discuss and debate Game of Thrones, I will say respectfully, go back and watch it if you think it's filler. Because every scene had something to it. The Hound was some of the quieter stuff, but it's important stuff there. It's important for the Hound's journey. We get a, node, uh, a, a nod to him as the grave digger, and, we, and he's questioning what's going on. He's questioning his purpose, and then he sees in the fire the big battle that will probably happen at Eastwatch by the Sea. That's important. Sam, other than the most disgusting sequence, I think in all of Game of Thrones with him cleaning the latrines and all that stuff, uh, great scene, funny scene, disgusting. He clearly uh, learns a lot there, very important stuff. We see Cat Spa, the, uh, the, the Valerian steel dagger that uh, Baelish had and uh, was factored into season one. Will that factor into season with maybe Arya? We see that, and of course we learn, though we already knew, that there's a lot of dragon glass on dragon stone, but that stuff is key. I love the stuff with Archmaster Marwyn and Sam, so I don't think there's a lot of filler. Even the scene with uh, Arya and the Lannister soldiers, other than Ed Sheeran kind of throwing some people off, I loved it, had no problem with it. That scene, to me, is not filler. That scene is very important because we haven't really seen that before. We haven't seen soldiers painted in that kind of light. We see a lot of them sitting around campfires, joking around, joshing around, but then that, then action happens. The hound takes off a head. Arya stabs somebody. This was entirely different. It was us seeing soldiers as human beings. And Arya Stark, who's been on a vengeful tour, who wonderfully took out House Frey, and that, that does pose a question we'll be discussing later in the day about what happened at House Frey, because there was someone there, uh, or there at least someone is attached to the Red Wedding that's still alive that... Arya seemed to not deal with. Um, I mean that in a good way. But anyways, Arya, I get off track here. Arya uh, and the soldiers was a great scene because uh, you know, will it play in her mind as she goes on her Batman of Westeros killing revenge spree? Those, those were Lannister soldiers, so she had something against them. They weren't necessarily on her list, but she let them live. Or at least we think she let them live. 
We don't really know from that point out, do we? Uh, interesting, too, that she's heading south. We know which direction she's going. I love the quiet epicness of Danny returning to Dragonstone. Now, I keep saying Danny returning to Dragonstone. I mean that in a general sense. We don't believe Danny's been on Dragonstone unless she was a real, real little child, of course. So Rhaegar is the last Targaryen to really hole up there. But the idea of a Targaryen returning to Dragonstone is pretty historic. And Danny returning to Westeros is very key and very important. Sorry, go back to season one where Viserys told her, our, that's our home. We're going to go back. We're going to conquer it. That was her whole purpose. But to see these full six seasons, this worth of journey that Danny's gone through, all playing in that moment when she puts her hand down on the sand it was very emotional like i said a quiet epicness to it i loved it and shall we begin it's a great way to end this episode this was a quiet episode and i expected a lot more action earlier with only seven episodes but this had a lot of great stuff in it that you can go back and rewatch and pull from so what do you guys think i'm going to post some of your reactions let's go through the day that's what we're going to do on daily thrones first part of the week really go into the episode go into moments answer questions have speculations and then later in the week we'll look towards the other stuff and have some fun along the way because that's what we love doing here on daily thrones so guys call into the station here you can find me on twitter at ken Napsuck. use the hashtag daily thrones and we have of course the podcast up of of the uh, daily thrones you can find on uh apple so that's it for now guys get your reactions in for dragonstone Hey, Ken, the episode just ended. I'm going to give you some instant reaction here. So, number one, I absolutely love the opener, opening with Arya. I thought that was awesome. I actually really also love the stuff with the Hound, and I like that he went back, you know, and he saw what became of that man and his daughter from back in Season 4. I thought that was really cool. The stuff with Sam was okay. I was disappointed, though. I know we talked about we all wanted Daenerys to have some kind of battle before getting the Dragonstone. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, so that happened a little kind of quick. Of course, I got sad when she tore down Stannis' banner. Like seeing him in the previously on, by the way. Um, the stuff of Cersei, I think, was cool. Euron is clearly going to be a player this season. Uh, I mean, the conflict between Jon and Sansa is evident. I think that was pretty cool. I thought there was going to be a reunion, though. I thought the we were going to see Bran reunite with Jon and Sansa. This episode didn't happen. Overall, pretty good opener. I'm pumped for the season. Hey, Ken. Uh, I did. I well, I did like uh, today's episode. I just feel like, you know, maybe some of the dialogue wasn't as polished as like the pure like before. You know, when we were still following the books seasons. Also. Um, Ed Sheeran being there kind of pulled me out of it. I I was kind of astounded. I was like, what? Ed Sheeran? Uh, anyway, good episode, but a few stumbles along the way. Uh, hopefully the season will work out the kinks. Okay. Bye. Hey, Ken. Uh, Kevin Ross again. So we do see uh, Jordan Mormont in the Citadel, in a cell in the Citadel, as if he's being cared for and studied by the maesters. Which leads me to believe that the Maesters do have a cure for uh, Grayscale, but they only sell it to the highest bidder at the highest price, a.k.a. Stannis. So, uh, is Sam going to get into trouble if he goes ahead and makes uh, the cure for Grayscale essentially publicly known? Um, And uh, will then those two end up going to to, um, uh, the Doom of Valeria? Uh, to heal everyone else and bring a second army for Danny. Uh, these are speculation, uh, speculative questions, but um, that's what we do here. Talk to you soon.
Hey, Ken, wanted to call in and get my thoughts on the season premiere. Um, I thought that it was definitely one of the best season premieres that we've had. Uh, the opening with Arya taking out the the phrase was amazing. Uh, loved the dynamic going on in the north between John Sansa, uh, the stuff poor Sam, and, and down in uh, the Citadel. You know, all the stuff he's going through, but he's learning stuff. Uh, really cool. Um uh, and just Danny coming home to Dragonstone at the end was that was a really powerful moment. I really enjoyed that. And look how they like that it was done all in silence for the most part, you know, letting her soak in the fact that, you know, she's she's home. And uh say she's in Westeros finally. It's it's really amazing. Um the scene of the White Walkers and the Undead coming with the undead giants, really scary, reminding that uh they got their work cut out for them, so Great start of the season. Can't wait to see what happens next. Hey, I really liked this episode, and I agree with you. I think it was a fantastic first episode, and um, definitely epic. My favorite part was Arya taking out the phrase for sure. Um, I have a question for you. Do you think that Arya is working for the Faceless Men, or do you think she's on her own? Um, I've not read the books or anything, so I'm not sure, but I just was wondering what you thought about that. Brandon with a great call here on Daily Thrones about what Arya might be doing in Westeros and could she still be working for the faceless men over there at the House of Black and White? I think it's a fair question, but I think, and, and this is a, a uncharted territory Tory for even us book readers, I don't think she's working for the faceless men. I think part of her skipping out of school and dropping out of college and what uh, the face of Jagan Hagar, his reaction to her saying she's Arya Stark of Winterfell was almost as if that was why he brought her over there or what he was intending was to her to refine herself, pick up a few skills along the way, and then go back for vengeance. So I think she is acting on her own. What do you guys think? And how do we think Arya Stark learned a perfect Walder Frey impersonation? Was it some improv classes at the Groundlings? I think so. That's Daily Thrones. Keep your reactions coming in for Episode 1, Dragonstone. Hey, Ken. I absolutely loved Dragonstone. I think the phrase you used to describe it, quiet epicness, was the perfect descriptor for this season premiere. Um, overall, I think it's my second favorite episode one of the series after Two Swords. Perhaps it wasn't as action-packed as some were expecting, giving the much-talked-about faster pace of this season, but I found every scene to be rich with portent and extremely consequential for the characters involved. I think anyone who considers this episode filler, a term I loathe and it definitely doesn't apply to this episode, really needs to watch it again because they missed everything. Uh, the cold open was a phenomenal way to start it. Uh, we've seen how efficient, ruthless, and capable Ari has become, but never quite on this scale. Uh, my favorite scene was probably the scene with the Hound, Beric, and Thoros. I love that kind of quiet reflection and character building. Introduction of Euron was great. Danny arriving on Dragonstone. There's so much more I could say, but I loved every second of it. Hey, Ken, I have one final thought before I actually go to sleep. I'm still on a high from this episode, and that's Edmure. Do you think Arya freed him? I mean, they didn't show it, of course, but I'd have to think that, you know, she found him in the dungeon and set him free because, you know, he is family. 
Hey guys, back here on Daily Thrones. Put a call up on the station from Eric Monroe. Eric's a good friend of the show. Called in. Very excited last night with the thought about Edmund Tully. Now, uh, Eric said that Edmund might have been in the dungeons at the at the Twins after Arya, of course, takes out all of uh, the phrase. But Eric, let's not forget, I do believe Edmund is over at River Run now, where Jamie kind of installed him as the de facto leader when they took it back last year that led to the death of the Blackfish. Now, there's nothing to say. I guess Edmer could be shipped back to the dungeons. I can't remember. Maybe Edmer is in the dungeons. Maybe he is over a river run locked up there as well. But point being, it would seem as though Edmer is a free man. Well, he and Rosalind Frey carry on in some sort of way. Will Edmer factor back into the story? The armies of the Tullys, uh, probably not the most powerful army right now, if there's anyone even left or in shape uh, to fight. But if Jon Snow's looking for allies, could Edmer Tully be the man he needs. What do you guys think? Let me know here on Daily Thrones. That's a really good point that Eric made. I didn't even think about Edmure. I would assume he is probably freed now because his uh, prey wife, given that she's probably still alive, she probably freed him. Uh, and maybe he made his descension back to River Run, which then raises the question, do you think after what happened with the last time he was at River Run and surrendered to Jamie Lannister, you think he'd be welcomed back with open arms by the Tully uh, forces? My bets are on no. Hey, Ken, so about Edmure, so last season he actually got a lot of hate because of the choice he made, but I felt sympathy for him. I mean, think about it. If someone said to you, I'm going to catapult your baby, your son, who you've never even met, into this castle, if you do not do this, I, I kind of understood why he did what he did. He did what he did for his child. So do I think he's going to have a role? I do think he'll have, we'll see him again. I do think we will see him again. I think he'll have a role to play in what's to come because, you know, he does have a force. They are numbers. They need as many many people as they can get. Will he be on this season? I'm not sure, but I do think we will see the character again. Hey, Ken, big fan of the show. I actually had a quick thought about the episode, which I love, by the way. I thought it was a great uh, setup for the seasons to come. But I actually had a quick thought, or just I noticed something about Dragonstone, which for the last 20-something years didn't Stan the Man Baratheon live there. But then after, well, the Targaryens lived there, and then Stannis took over after Robert won his rebellion. But... I noticed there were a lot of Targaryen sigils all over the castle, and I feel like it's kind of out of character for Stannis not to tear those off somehow, which I know it was symbolic of Danny finally coming home, but I just thought it was strange that Stannis wouldn't get rid of all the Targaryen-ness of Dragonstone, and I was just wondering if... why? Put a call on the station from Wrath of Han that brings up a great question that I think we need to try to answer here. And I think our good friend Eric Monroe calls in a lot and is a Stannis the Manus fan like me can weigh in too. Eric, I'm challenging you to answer this. Wrath of Han has this great idea that, hey, look, Stannis has been in Dragonstone for a while. You'd, you'd think it'd be about 20 years based on the TV show's timeline when he took over Dragonstone as after Robert Baratheon gave it to him after ascending to the throne. Or taking the throne, I should say. Um, but it looks, uh, you know, it's still in place. It's still got everything. It's got the painted table. It's got the uh, dragon sigils. Nothing. Uh, now, a lot of those sigils might be hard to take down. They're etched into the stone. They're big and giant. But Stannis just put some banners over things and called it his home. 
Now, in my headcanon, how I think this went is Stannis is actually a man of honor, a man of duty. And I think when he took it over, he still wanted to respect the history of it. Think back to season two, when Mathos Seaworth is reading the letter they're going to send out to everyone, and they talk about Jamie Lannister. And Stannis says, Sir Jamie Lannister, he's a knight, let's not take it away from him. He's a Kingslayer, but he, he's earned the title of a knight. And I think it's a little bit of that. I think in my head canon, Stannis moved in, so people were saying, you want to take down these dragons? And uh, I think Stannis went, no, there's a lot of history here. They've earned that. We'll keep it, and we'll just put some banners over it. That's what I think. What do you guys think? Did Stannis lay back? Or did Stannis, uh, is that part of his duty? Or should he just tear it all, torn it all down and put flaming hearts where dragon heads were? Hey, Ken, this is Phil over at the Say What You Like Sports Podcast. I just wanted to share my quick take on the season seven premiere of Game of Thrones, Dragonstone. Man, it was a real good one. Thumbs up all the way. It started off with a bang. I love seeing Arya Stark get revenge for the wed wedding by basically eliminating the entire house fray. Uh, I loved what was going on in the north, the Jon Snow and Sansa little conflict there. I love seeing Littlefinger lurking in the shadows there. Another great moment. Uh, I liked the stuff between the Lannisters. I thought that was really good. I also liked uh, the new hound that we're getting here. The new hound, the reborn hound. But I have to say I was a little disappointed towards the end with the Daenerys uh, part because you know it was all silence. There was no obstacles. I, I get that it was an epic moment for her that we've all been waiting for, but the lack of dialogue with her and Tyrion continues to bore me. Hey, Ken, this is a great question. I'm loving all these new callers. I personally think you hit it on the head. Stannis is a man of duty, and he's a man that honors those who came before him, and he doesn't want to disrespect them. Like Robert had all the dragon heads smashed. That's not Stannis. He's going to honor those who made the castle, came before him, and also remember Stannis' grandmother, was a Targaryen, and that might not mean anything to Robert. Maybe it meant something to Stannis. Hey, Ken. According to my headcanon, Arya was able to act and sound like Walder Frey because of the magic process she uses when she's actually using his face. I believe in the books they say that the wearer, the people who wear the faces like the faceless men, they can sense some of the memories of the people's faces they're wearing. It's really confusing, but that's how I justify it in my head. Really loving the content here. My name is Brian Fanzo, iSocial Fans. Um, I, I discovered your, your channel here on Anchor about two days ago, and I love your take. I love the way that you're kind of uh, going back and forth. And I'm a, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, um, which is a little odder for me because I'm not um, one that likes sci-fi or fantasy or mystery. Uh, for, for some reason, something compelling about the storytelling, the character creation, and ultimately, just the dynamics coming together of this show has, has captivated me since day one. And I thought last night's episode um, was great. I didn't think it was the most amazing thing ever, but I didn't really expect it to be the most amazing thing ever. Like you said, it's the setup. But uh, I've been amazed at all the haters about Ed Sharon's uh, guest appearance. To me, it was cool. It was funny. Um, it didn't need to be splashy or anything crazy. And uh, kudos for them uh, getting creative and trying something a little different. Keep up the good work, my friend. Hey, Ken. David Jin up here in Seattle, a place that's grayer than Sir George's skin. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about Arya, continue that conversation. Um, now that she's back in Westeros, she's taken out the phrase. Last night she said she was on her way to kill Cersei. So I'm curious um, 
about who's still on her list. Uh, I know that in season four, the Red Woman, Beric Dondarrion, Theros of Mir, Elon Payne, they were all on her list. Uh, but I think at season five, that list seemed to get quite a bit shorter. Uh, it had Cersei, Walder Frey, I think Maren Trant. Um, so who do you think is still on her list? And I guess my other question is, do you think she's going to keep working through that list? Um, or do you think she's going to seek out her family? Um, because it doesn't seem like she's making that really a priority. I feel like she would have had enough time now to, to know the Starks are in Winterfell and to get up to them. Um, so I'm just curious where you think she's headed, uh, what's going on there. Thanks. Hey, Daily Thrones fans, I am loving the new calls, the new voices coming into Daily Thrones. Remember, that is what this station here on Anchor is about. It is your voice. It is my voice. We're talking together. It's an ongoing conversation about Game of Thrones. That's when this works the best. So keep it up. Keep calling in. I love all you hear, your theories, your ideas, your breakdowns, and even some criticisms of Dragonstone. Uh, that's what we do here. We just keep an era of celebration because we all love a world of ice and fire that we're in right now. I put a call up from Brian fans of iSocial fans. It's a great comment about Ed Sheeran and the cameo in the episode. We knew he was going to be in it. There's also rumors, I believe, of Conor McGregor being in it. And and a lot of people had problems with it. A lot of people took issue with it. A lot of people focused on Ed Sheeran in the scene. And if you did, I want to hear why. But for me, I absolutely loved it. I had no problem with it. I'm not an Ed Sheeran fan. I, I'm familiar with his music. and know who he is. Maisie Williams loves him. That's fine. Yeah, the camera lingered on him for a little bit. He sang the song by uh, Simon Silvertongue. Uh, I don't believe he actually is Simon Silvertongue from the books, but sang the song. Hey, it's a new song. They even make a joke, but it's finally a new song. No more The Bear and the Maiden Fair and Reigns of Castamere. I had no problem with the scene, and the scene itself I thought was really good. We talked about it earlier. We, we had a great question about do we think Arya is or is not working for the Faceless Men. So I'm like Brian. I didn't have a problem with Ed Sheeran. Uh, musician cameos are pretty regular on Game of Thrones. They happen a lot. Uh, and I forget, Ilan Payne, Wilco Johnson, was a, 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 punk, a, a singer of a, a big punk band. Like He's got history. In, in the music world, and this it was kind of a, you know, it was a, an actual role with so much a cameo, but that kind of set the tone. Did Dan and Dave, I think they like music. I like music. If I was in tr- control of a show right now, I'd put some of my favorite artists in if they wanted to make an appearance. I didn't think it overshadowed anything, and I think that was also a really great scene, which also brings me to another call just on the station from David Jin up there in gray Seattle. Gray as Jorah's arm, he says... And talking about Arya's death list, with uh, her death list uh, inspired by Yorin, of course, it's 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 definitely names have been added, and at times it seems the the list has shrunk. And going back to that scene with Ed Sheeran and the Lannister uh, uh, army, uh, Lannister men. What do you think that scene? What is? I want the answers here. We can even discuss it tomorrow. What do you think that scene means for Arya? Is she really going to continue south and go kill the king? I kind of believe that that is the case. But is she affected by what they're talking about? They're talking about home. They're talking about family. Talking about why would you want to go to King's Landing? Does that cause Arya to turn around and head to Winterfell? Does the pull of family, knowing that they might possibly be there, maybe she thinks they're at the wall. She's had to have heard. The twins aren't too far from Winterfell. It's a little bit of a hike, yeah. But she can get up there. I am very curious to see if this scene, which I don't believe is filler, that I don't like that word filler. There's sometimes filler. I get that. But uh, I think I'm thinking of some moments with Tyrion last season with Masende and Grey Worm telling the jokes. They're good character moments, but 
to me, uh, came across slightly as filler, but I try not to use that word filler a lot, and I don't think we as fans should too. I think this scene may not just be about some nice soldiers singing a song and offering Arya food. This may be a turning point, or it may be that she is like, yeah, I definitely need to kill Cersei because Cersei's sending these nice, nice guys off to war. And if I kill Cersei, maybe some of the wars stop and these nice soldiers can go on and live their lives. Maybe that is what she's doing. Or maybe, like I said, she turns around and heads to Winterfell and we get that Stark reunion. What do you guys think are the ramifications here? Is Arya's death list growing, shrinking, staying the same? Call in here. If I don't get the call up right away, the call can can, uh, pop up some other time. So uh, be patient. I love all the new voices Season 7 is inspiring some great conversations here on Daily Thrones about what we all love, Game of Thrones. Daily Thrones is wrapping up for the day, but I have a lot more calls from you guys to post. We saw a huge explosion in calls to the Daily Thrones Anchor Station Day, which, you know, would be expected uh, with the return of Season 7 finally happening. We have a lot on our minds, but it also is a testament to you guys just stepping up and calling and making this station feel like a lot of fun today, feel like a group conversation. I'm just here mediating. I'm just here wading through the waters with you guys, and I love hearing your guys' voices on what's going on. Game of Thrones. Today, a lot of questions about Arya Stark and how she got her powers. What does it mean to put on a face? And how did she impersonate Walter Frey? And we'll have more of that tomorrow. Next couple days, we'll be breaking down uh, Season 7, Episode 1, Dragonstone, a little bit more. And then we'll start looking ahead. That's what we're doing here. So I also want your thoughts about uh, Episode 2 and what we're going to get in Game of Thrones. You guys are great. Continue with the calls. If I didn't post your call today, stand by. Your call might be posted. If you're on iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review. Daily Thrones is available on iTunes as a daily podcast. It's a good idea that we have here at Anchor. Cross-promoting. You can hear, listen to us in a lot of different ways. Uh, That is it. You can hear it in my voice. I'm tired. I've been talking Game of Thrones all day, and I love it. We're going to talk more tomorrow.